Hi, I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and this is episode 192. So I wanted to kick things off with some listener feedback. I received a couple of really thoughtful replies concerning my comments on capital punishment or the death penalty. To put things into context, I touched on the subject in passing during one of my long-winded digressions a couple of episodes back. In a nutshell, I basically said that the only reason why I'm really opposed to the death penalty is due to concern that the system might fail and an innocent person might be wrongly executed. But that, in theory, if you had the right guy, I really didn't have any moral objections to someone being put to death for a truly heinous crime, like the murder of a child or the slaying of an innocent family. And I gave a couple of examples, like the horrific case of the Pettit family and the murder of Adam Walsh. Sorry, looks like this might be yet another really, really dark episode. But I really like the fact that I have listeners who can think for themselves and who aren't afraid to keep me on my toes by challenging my views. Uh, So first, I'll read a Twitter exchange between myself and Alden Fats Clark. So here we go. Hey, Phil, I work with family members of murdered people, and 99.9% of them do not want the death penalty for the murderer! And I reply... Hi, Alden. I'm sure you're right. I've heard similar, which I have. I'm still struggling with my draconian streak. And that just brought reptiles to mind. Weren't they uh, draconians a race in uh, the Dragonlance franchise of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? <coughs> Getting nerdy already. I ended it by saying, sounds like you do good work. And I really meant that. I'm not sure what the exact nature of Alden's work is. But if he's helping the family members of of, um, murder victims, then I think that is awesome. I can't commend him enough on that. And then he replies, Their reasons are pretty similar. Death is too quick and there is no real suffering for them. They also wouldn't want another family to lose a loved one, even though that family member took their loved one. And I replied, I can see that. I think both those reasons make sense. And a final reply from Alden, to be honest, I used to feel the same way, but talking to these amazing people who have had the worst things happen changed me. And without getting too sappy, I'll honestly say my little exchange with Alden there actually changed me to some degree. And I think that's kind of rare. I interact with a lot of people online, you know, via Twitter or the Weekend Out Facebook page or on YouTube. And I have a lot of really meaningful conversations and interactions. But I think it's rare that someone can actually change my opinion or, or start to, uh, you know, nudge my my view in the other direction. But I have so much respect for the family members of victims of these horrible crimes that what they feel uh, means a lot to me. So the idea that many of the victims' families are against the death penalty, um, and for those very sound reasons. Yeah, I think that that did actually change the way I view things a bit. And speaking of those two specific reasons that Alden cited, yeah, to reiterate, they both did make sense to me. 
not wanting the family of the perpetrator to also have to deal with the loss of a family member. And to be honest, this one appeals to me more. (laughs) The idea that death is too good for them. They'd rather have them languish in prison rather than benefit from the quick release of death. But thanks to Alden for reaching out. I really appreciate the interaction. And that goes for all you guys who get in touch with me. It lets me know people are actually listening or watching and uh, that I'm not doing all this for nothing. So next I'll read an exchange between myself and Math Lab Math Geek. Say that 10 times fast. A YouTuber who I interact with regularly. And I'm trying to remember if Math... Math Lab Math Geek was the one who responded to my last response to criticism video and basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, don't sweat the criticism. We come here to listen to you, not your critics. And he went on to say that he may not agree with everything I have to say, and in fact doesn't even agree with something as fundamental as my definition of atheism, but likes to listen because I challenge his own views. I think that was uh, Math Lab Math Geek. Maybe I'll just call him Math Lab from now on. Uh, I hope so. But I really appreciate that attitude. I don't always agree with other atheist podcasters or YouTubers, but there's some whose content I still enjoy nevertheless, either because I find them entertaining or, like Math Lab said, they challenge my ideas and get me thinking. Hell, I even used to listen to William Lane Craig's podcast. Uh, So here's the exchange between Math Lab, Math Geek, and myself. On the death penalty, I think you need to clarify a few things. Why are some people's murder worse than others? If you want to add a torture charge, that is fine. But now you are getting into very subjective value. Jimmy's, and he's referring to Jimmy Dore from uh, the Young Turks, Jimmy's two points almost defeat the death penalty argument. One, why don't we rape rapists? That is also egregious. Why do only some subset of murderers get to be murdered? Why do we pretend to kill them humanely? This is a symptom of the notion that murder has different layers of evil. If you kill someone the way the state kills someone, should we give you less time after all you murdered them humanely? And then I replied, and I think there's a bit of the conversation missing here, which I'll elucidate in a moment. Well, in fairness to Jenk and Brett, those were the other two people on the Young Turks panel talking about the death penalty. I think they thought Jimmy had a point with the we don't rape rapists thing. The idea of public executions seemed to give Jank pause as well. I definitely don't think we should be beheading people in the town square, mainly because I wouldn't want children exposed to such sites. And as far as raping criminals, I've long been appalled by the sexual violence that takes place in our prison system. If I'm not mistaken, I think I've heard it said that if you take prison rape into consideration, male rape victims outnumber female victims. And he replied, I agree with all your points. The problem I have is that they did not answer the challenge or change their minds. It only seemed to give them pause. And then Dirk Stabin says, and this is a non sequitur, Personally, I don't understand how anyone could hate tea. Surely didn't the Lord himself pause for a nice cup of tea before giving himself up for the world? Ah, 
Thanks to Dirk for uh, injecting some levity into the situation, as always. Yeah, but as I was saying, for some reason, it looks like part of our exchange is missing. So to help put things in context, I'll attempt to recall the missing part of our conversation. I think in response to Math Lab, Math Geek's comment in which he inquired why we don't rape rapists, etc., I said something half-jokingly Like, I'll refrain from answering some of your questions for fear that I'll come off looking even more barbaric in your eyes. Then I think he prodded me a little bit to give a a more complete answer, which I did, but I admit I probably held back a little. So I'll break down his first comment, which I just read a moment ago, and give a point-by-point reply. And before I do, I just want to say that I really admire his humanistic uh, values, too. I sometimes describe myself as a humanist of sorts, but in comparison to people like Alden and uh, Math Lab, I often feel like some dark-hearted ghoul. And I know it's kind of odd for someone who claims to embrace humanistic values to argue some of the points that I do, like how I feel the death penalty in some cases may be morally justifiable. But here we go. So when in opposition to the death penalty, he asks, why are some people's murders worse than others? And I think this is a very fair question. In the end, dead is dead, and there's no bringing back someone's lost loved one. But for me personally, I guess there are factors that can make one murder seem quote-unquote worse than another. If a criminal panics during a holdup and shoots and kills someone, this is still an awful crime and the person deserves to be locked up for a long, long time. But for some reason, it doesn't offend my moral sensibilities to the same degree that someone abducting, torturing, and killing someone would. But maybe Math Lab is right and we should just heap the other charges on the person. Although, and this just came to me, aren't there certain crimes where there's so-called aggravating or aggravated circumstances which increase the supposed enormity or seriousness of the crime, like aggravated assault, etc.? Um, It might be hard to put my finger on it, but for some reason it makes more sense to me morally that the sadistic killer is more deserving of death than the punk who panicked or got worked up while robbing a liquor store or something. But I think Math Lab is making some good points, and I'm just trying not necessarily to refute them, but address them with whatever thoughts come to my mind. Well, whatever cogent and topic-appropriate thoughts come to mind. Uh, Okay, so next, and now once again here I go wading eyeballs deep down into the black abyssal waters of controversy. I'm sure I'll catch flack for something that comes out of my mouth, but hey. uh, So why don't we rape rapists? Another cherry topic. I've spoken on the show before about how seriously I take this subject. I've known several people in my life who were either raped or sexually assaulted or abused, And I can remember as an idealistic teenager or a very young 20-something saying that in a way I thought rape was worse than murder because at least in the case of murder, the victim's suffering ended when they died. But for a rape survivor, they have to carry that pain and trauma around with them for maybe the rest of their lives. I'm sure many victims can reach a point where they feel like they've reclaimed their lives, but I'm sure something of that trauma always stays. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of modified my view a little. I still think rape is right up there with murder in the sense that it's one of the most heinous and egregious crimes that one human being can inflict on another. But at least in the case of a rape or sexual assault victim, 
their family still has their loved one, the person's still alive, and hopefully with a lot of hard work and time and understanding, they can eventually start to pull their life back together. And in my exchange with MathLab, I mentioned my feelings on the kind of culture of rape we find in our prison system here in the U.S., and I imagine there are similar problems in prison systems around the world. And this is something that's really bothered me for a long time. Now, this part will probably sound harsh. If you're someone that's in prison for rape yourself, uh, unless, of course, you were mistakenly convicted, I'm honestly not too concerned what happens to you. Once again, not a very humanistic thing to say, I know. And I'm going to wax philosophical a little later about wrestling with my dark side. But I think, in general, that prison should be as safe as possible, as weird as that sounds. I I know it's the place where we send the bad guys. But not everyone in prison is a sex offender. I'm sure plenty of people are in there for nonviolent or drug-related crimes. And a certain amount may very well be there by mistake. And the idea that people have to be worried about being raped while they're trying to serve out their time is outrageous. I think being locked up and removed from society is punishment enough. It doesn't speak well of a quote-unquote civilized society that rape is epidemic in our prison system. I'm sure a big part of it is due to the fact that you have a bunch of criminals and sociopaths stuffed together like sardines. The culture that arises probably isn't going to be very pretty, but you would think that there might be more that those in charge could do to remedy the problem. In fairness, probably easier said than done. It's probably difficult trying to monitor everything all the time. But back to Math Lab's question, should we rape rapists? And I know in a sense it was rhetorical, Uh, And it was meant to illustrate a point. But when I first read it, and this is absolutely awful, uh, I remember thinking, well, I was appalled at my own inner reflexive response. I was thinking, what's wrong with you, man? But when you think about it, a lot of us do have that response in a sense. When we hear about a child molester or a rapist, what's the first thing that comes to our minds or that we read in the comments section of some online newspaper, even a left-leaning one like the Huff Post? Wait till he meets Bubba. Put him in gen pop and let the inmates do the same to him. Hope he drops the soap in the shower, uh, you know? Um, actually, here's a very recent example from the Huff Post. It's in response to the Brock Turner case and the light sentence he received from the judge. And that is a terrible case, but here's what some had to say. And Brock's a funny first name. The only Brock's I know are uh, Brock Lesnar and Brock Sampson from the Venture Brothers. Anyway... Here's what uh, people in the HuffPost had to say. These were like the first comments in. Protective custody, that's crap. Put him in with the rest of the jail population and let them take care of his proper punishment. The, w- the woman he assaulted didn't receive any protective custody, did she? 40 thumbs up. This guy needs to spend his time in general population. Give him 20 minutes of or more of action. Then someone else says, we wouldn't want to hurt the little cupcake, shaking my damn head. I wish he lived near me. I'd be waiting for him when he gets out, since the courts can't do their job. I'm sure I would get much more time than he ever will for giving him a thumping. Someone else says, sometimes you just long for the days when all a mob needed was a sturdy tree and a length of rope to guide it by. 
So many of us do have this dark impulse where we want to see people who commit morally abhorrent crimes, especially crimes involving sexual assault or abuse, to be subjected to the same treatment. We, we have a desire for our retribution. We see it as a kind of dark attempt at balancing the scales, a kind of dark justice. And this is a part of myself I'm still wrestling with. There's a, a part of me that does feel that this attitude is barbaric and outdated, and that when I embrace it, I'm ignoring the quote-unquote better angels of my being, I say figuratively as an atheist. But if I move too far away from that punitive attitude, I feel like I'm not considering the victims enough, and then I feel guilty for giving a shit what, about what happens to some monstrous criminal. But as Alden pointed out, most of the victims' families themselves are against the death penalty, so if they don't want it, maybe we shouldn't ghoulishly promote it on their behalf. And I'm someone who spent a lot of time studying Eastern religion and philosophy, so I really get the idea of compassion and nonviolence and trying to detach yourself from your baser instincts. And yet there's still that Old West retributive side of me that hears an awful story on the news and thinks, hang him high, slather him in bacon grease and feed him to a pack of hungry wolves, you know? Um, but it's all kind of moot because, like I said on the last episode, I pretty much oppose the death penalty for the sheer reason that I don't think it's worth the risk of accidentally putting an innocent person to death. Yeah, so no, I don't think we should institute a policy of sentencing rapists to be raped. And I found some of the implications darkly amusing. I had this image of some blue-collar guy who works at a prison heading off to work in the morning. See you later, honey. We're going to be carrying out a sentence today. Uh, almost forgot my astroglide. Yeah, I know. Sick stuff. Uh, and I'm usually one who speaks out against political correctness, you know, all this kind of Orwellian newspeak about trigger warnings, etc. But I sincerely hope that my repeated mention of rape and, you know, assault and these things, I hope that if there's anyone in my audience who's been a victim or knows a victim that I never thought I'd say this, but that this hasn't been too triggering. But I think that actually would be a proper use of the term. I think the reason why so many people dislike that kind of politically correct newspeak is because after a while, it tends to get misused. And in a way, it loses its initial purpose where it was supposed to be used to help real victims. It starts to become in vogue to use them. You know, it's like Milo Yiannopoulos is speaking quick. I need a safe space or something like that, you know. Oh, but I almost crawled my way out of the waters of controversy. I'm not crawling right back in again. So uh, I was going to do some news stories, but I think I've already gone on long enough. I think this may be the first episode in the show's history where I didn't actually discuss uh, religion. Well, maybe I did. I mentioned Buddhism in passing. I'm trying to think before I go, were there any mistakes that need to be corrected? Ah, uh, yes. It might have been the last episode. But when discussing the label atheist, I was talking about that argument that I've heard uh, Hitchens and Dawkins and others make that you don't need a word for someone who doesn't believe in the tooth fairy or leprechauns, or and I use the example of jinn, which are these kind of spirits in uh, Muslim mythology. And I think it's where genie comes from. And I think I said jinns, plural. The plural is jinn. As a mythology geek, I was appalled when I was listening back to my own podcast and noticed that. 
Ah, uh, any other mistakes? Yeah, I think I was talking about, and this sounds like this weird reverse racism thing, like a ham-handed attempt at, uh, at proving you're not racist. But when I did that episode in response to the drunken peasants and Kraut and Tea, which uh, I tended to side with Kraut and Tea, at one point, TJ had tried to compare Mexican immigration with Muslim immigration in Europe. And I think I was talking about my personal experience with um, people who happen to be Hispanic. And I jokingly said that the only negative experience I could think of was this kid named Raul who used to play soccer and he was a massive dick. But actually, I think Raul may have been East Indian. It turns out Raul is, um, I don't think the two names are related, but I think there's an Indian name, Raul, and there's also a uh, Spanish name, Raul. Any Raouls out there, fill me in. But okay, so you guys know the drill. You can like the show on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes and also rate it on iTunes. I think currently I still have four and a half stars out of five. If you do write me a review on iTunes, please send me a tweet or contact me through Facebook or even uh, by using the week in doubt at gmail.com. Shoot me an email to let me know so I can thank you on the show. Uh, if you want to support the show monetarily, you can use the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page. There's all that alliteration. Or um, more preferably, I think you, you can go to patreon.com slash the week in doubt and help the show out by donating as little as 99 cents a month and stopping anytime you want. As I said, I think last week we've reached the point where you guys pretty much cover the cost of hosting the feed for this show. I pay about 19 bucks to Podbean just to host uh, the feed. And I have eight patrons. So eight of you guys out there are helping me out. And I get just about that same amount from you guys every month. So I really appreciate that. It's really a good feeling to know that you guys care enough about the show that, you know, in, in a way you're chipping in. And I no longer have to worry about the pod being cost every month. So I guess anything I make beyond that will maybe just be you guys kind of thanking me or encouraging me, <laughs> you know, for doing what I do. And, uh, you know, if I make enough, I'll probably start sinking it back into the show. Uh, better recording equipment, better software, stuff like that. And if this ever becomes a full-time job, which would be awesome, and I could stop uh, swinging a hammer with my brother. And uh, why am I still letting that design degree go to waste? Um, but I would love to do this full-time. That would be amazing. I'd probably branch out in a lot of ways if this was my full-time job. I'd probably do more stuff on YouTube. I'd, probably, I'd have more time so I could greatly increase the quality of both the audio and the video versions. Uh, but enough of that. Uh, thanks, guys, and until next week.